This episode of Getting to the Truth in This Art is brought to you by Charmington Holistics. If you're like me, you realize that now more than ever, it's important to have your wellness in check. That's where Charmington Holistics tonics come in hand. Charmington Holistics tonics contain a combination of nutrient-packed superfoods with herbal support and are meant to be enjoyed daily. These tonics are good and good for you. They can be enjoyed in a variety of beverages from coffee to cocktails. My favorite is Tummy, which contains turmeric and tastes just like root beer. These tonics are a wonderful way to add extra herbal support and nutrition into your diet. Head on over to the Best Little Herb Shops Instagram today at Charmington Holistics. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is the co-founder of Mount Royal Soaps, Pat Illust. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Rob. So um, as we were talking a little bit before we got started, I'd like to give like the quick, my hair is on fire intro. <laughs> and you know, not that it intimidates or scares anyone. You'd be surprised some of the people I've had on here. It's like, this is unnerving. Um, so describe, describe your company, describe um, uh, Mount Royal Soaps. Let's talk about that a little bit. So Mount Royal Soaps is um, uh, a personal care product line business that was started by uh, me, and uh, my now wife and our best friend um, in 2014. Um, it started as a small hobby soap making thing on the weekends. Um, yeah. And uh, it grew to us opening um, a storefront here in Baltimore uh, a couple of years ago, uh, adding more products. And now we have a, a production facility as well here in the city. Okay. We, um, at, at my girlfriend's house, there is always some Mount Royal soap floating around. It's in the bathroom going in there, picking up, I think it's like the big jugs. And then she does the refills of that. And she's like, yeah. So what do you think about that soap? I was like, did they get to you? Are you, are you pitching for, <laughs> uh, so talk about that, that process of, of, of making. So I've like, ex excuse my like lack of knowledge, but I've never talked to someone who's, who's in the soap business. So this is. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to that, but, um, it's interesting. So like, what is unique about your soap? I always hear about like a fat thing, something like I used to hear about like whale blubber or something like that. What is special about, um, your soap and what is the process? What is it made out of? So we use, um, natural, um, vegetable oils. Um, what's unique about, um, our formula is that we don't use um, palm oil or any animal fats. Okay. Um, I don't know if you're aware, lots of people, it's become more um, um, more prevalent nowadays. People know about like the stuff going on in Southeast Asia um, um, as far as palm oil farming um, is very destructive for the environment. Um, and palm oil is in a lot, a lot of, personal care products, soaps, um, everything really. I mean, um, it's hard to avoid it, but, um, we never really thought we would change the world by offering, you know, our farmer's market soaps. Um, yeah. but we kind of wanted to raise a little bit of awareness about, um, the destruction, um, uh, with, with palm oil, um, but also offer something that, um, people who are vegetarian could also use. Um, I dig it. Mm -hmm. So 
should I get rid of my Irish spring? So is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you. If it works for you, uh, we just wanted to present an option and maybe raise some awareness about it. Well, that's, that's a good thing. Um, you touched on that. You've been um, in, in the biz, like as working with your now wife and, and one of your friends since, you know, for the last now 70 years. Mm-hmm. So, so how did you get your start? Why'd you, what, what was the thinking of, you know what? I know all these people are doing beer. I know people that are doing this. I'm going to do soap. You know, <laughs> so what funny. was the thinking that went into that? It's funny. You should mention, um, people making, uh, you know, a lot of people making beer. Um, but, um, we, we kind of, me, my wife and our best friend, um, we're, we got started doing it when we were all in early, um, recovery from, um, uh, drug and alcohol addiction and, um, some mental health stuff going on. But, um, that's how we started. We just needed something to, um, to focus on, um, an outlet, a creative outlet. Um, and we were all kind of getting together in our kitchens and, um, trying new crafts and stuff like that. And this is the one thing that, um, we really like to do. Uh, people really liked the soap that we were making. Yeah. Um, like our families, maybe they were just being a little, you know, over supportive <laughs> and trying no, to I dig get it. into something, but, um, yeah, we did it because, um, because we couldn't make beer because we were so, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, I went through like the offerings that are listed there and I've noticed a fair share of, um, kind of punny names like shaving grace and an SNL reference or two in there, like David S pumpkins, um, and your within your product offering, um, it appears you have a good sense of humor. What are some of your, who are some of your favorite comedians? Oh, wow. Um, See, it's not going to be purely about, hey, man, what's the number of suds in each bottle? It's going to be some of the hard-hitting questions. Yeah. I mean, man, I haven't watched stand-up in a while. I used to watch a lot of it. Okay. Uh, comedians, I guess let's broaden that to, you know what? I don't even know. I don't even like watching funny movies anymore. I feel like my wife and okay. is funnier. <laughs> I don't know if that's um, a common experience, but... Um, Favorite comedian. For some reason, Richard Pryor comes to mind. I don't, I don't know why I used to I mean, really like his stuff. Uh, that's when I was that's like a really good choice. <laughs> that's, that's a really top tier S level choice. So yeah, <laughs> can't go wrong with that one. A lot of, a lot of good humor that even um, going back and listening to some of his, um, cause I, I listen to a lot of stand up comedy and old records and things like that. And I'll go through Spotify and it'll be stuff that was in, like super old records that still was kind of out there today. I'm like, Oh, yeah. huh. Nothing's changed in the last 40 years. Isn't that something <laughs> I should go back and listen again. And sometimes you go back and listen to the stuff you used to think is funny and it just doesn't, doesn't fly anymore. <laughs> well, that that's the thing. Um, I'm, as I always joke, I'm just waiting to get canceled. Um, I suppose. <laughs> so, so, um, made in Baltimore. So th- I kind of saw some connection there. Speak on, on that a little bit. What was the relationship there with made in Baltimore? You talk about the made in Baltimore program. Yes. Yeah. They're awesome. Uh, so, um, I guess we, um, they're an advocate, uh, for small crafters, um, of which there are a lot in Baltimore. Like we have a great maker scene. Um, 
I don't know what it is. It's just, um, there's a, a kind of do it yourself, um, street that runs here from everywhere from, you know, music production to art to, um, you know, furniture making, there's so many furniture makers here in the city. Um, and, and other soap makers too. Um, but the made in Baltimore program is this, um, I think it's under the BDC, um, umbrella right now, but, um, they're just a great advocate, a great resource and a great networking, um, resource for, for makers in the city. And, and so you guys worked with them at one point or was it just you, you they were advocates for you or what, what was that, that kind of relationship? Um, we've been in their store. Um, our products have been in the store, uh, okay. the made in Baltimore program. Actually, they've been a big help this past year. Um, I think we ended up on a couple of their billboards around town. Um, and then, uh, they, uh, I don't know when you'll, you'll air this, but this is during the pandemic. Um, we were making a lot of hand sanitizer, uh, and having trouble filling bottles and, um, cause we didn't have the proper equipment and made in Baltimore put together a grant program for small makers in the city who were making PPE that was short supply. Um, and we were awarded a grant from them, uh, to purchase a bottle filling machine that like, uh, I mean, I'd have to look at the numbers, but like by tenfold increased our, our output of like hand sanitizer. And so, wow. mm -hmm. that, so yeah, they're, they're great help. Well, we love those guys. That's great. Um, I've, I've been in there and I've purchased a, a few different things, um, before all of this stuff went down. I, I feel like I have two or three, like, uh, beard products that are just sitting in my bathroom that I use. And it's like, I'm almost out of that. I need to get a <laughs> refill soon. Uh, so you, you kind of touched on it. Uh, one, one of the reasons I thought it was kind of prudent to reach out is COVID hand sanitizer. You, you're already kind of backdoored into it. I feel like you already had the questions maybe. Uh, how, how has it been like essentially being in this space of almost being an essential business, like during the last nine to 10 months, I know you said business is booming, uh, but how, how has that been from maybe where you were at before we realized this was a real thing to where you're at now or where you're at during the peak of like needing like to produce more hand sanitizer. Yeah, it's, um, it's been wild. Um, I remember actually just thinking about this the other day, we're about, uh, 10 months out from the first case that showed up in the U S now. And, um, I remember, I mean, I just, I, I formulate stuff. We have a collection of different, um, recipes, um, that we've come up with and a ton of different ingredients in our, um, in our library. And I saw back in last March, uh, a shortage, uh, somebody was selling hand sanitizer for like a hundred dollars on Amazon. <laughs> um, so I had a, um, a formula for hand sanitizer gel, um, that I've worked on in the past just cause I had a fun and I had some perfumers, alcohol, and I had all the ingredients to do it. And I, I made a little batch, put it up on Instagram, like, Hey, any of the neighbors of the shop, need some, here's some, come get some. It doesn't cost a hundred dollars. So, so that was like our first batch was 13 total units of like mm -hmm. two ounce hand sanitizer. And then the next thing I knew, um, 
We were getting calls from uh, the city DPW, um, postmasters from around the state. Uh, there was um, a couple hospitals. They were all asking us to make as much as we could. And we were just working out of a little uh, 20 quart stock pot at that point. Wow. Um, but yeah, that was, that was crazy. We did, we definitely, um, we made, we have friends who have a meadery here in town, Charm City Mead Works. Yeah. Um, and we were able to reach out to them and start making huge amounts of sanitizer over there in their big mead tanks. Cause you know, mead, they work with honey. Honey is yeah. like, uh, really thick like sanitizer so they have the right equipment to pump it and mix it and all that so we just gave them the formula and they started making a ton of it um it's been really weird it's very weird <laughs> i remember thinking about how terrifying it was that the city dpw was coming after us for hand sanitizer i was like thinking they take care of like our water supply like what if some guy has yeah. cholera and like <laughs> um it was just from the beginning, it was driven by like a fear, I think of like, you know, I, if this stuff is needed, we need to make it as much as possible. Yeah. I, I totally remember like just going into the stores and I, I was one of those, like I, I, outside of this, I work around public health, like in that kind of capacity. And I just didn't see anyone really taking anything serious and just things like, you know, you'll have the, hand sanitizer like pumps near the, the common areas things were empty i was like no one cares and then you would read about this stuff because this is the industry we're working in and it's like this is what we're covering this should be filled we should have stuff here and then going to check at different stores markets uh um pharmacies things like that no 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 alcohol nothing mm -hmm. and just stuff just being missed and i remember at one point even like late in the summer, like I want to say August, I, I went down to um, Sakri Sucre, who was a guest on this podcast a while back, a manual there. And I was like, Oh, you guys have like currency here. It was like uh, two like containers of Purell. <laughs> and I was like, you can't find it anywhere. You should flip that. It'll be, you know, it's like a PPP loan or something. Um, so let's see relationship with Baltimore. Are you from here? What's that? What's that story been about? Uh, I'm originally from New Jersey, um, okay. from a town called Asbury Park on the shore in Jersey. Um, and um, I moved here actually, like I mentioned earlier, um, getting sober <laughs> when yeah. I was like 21. Um, just needed a new place to kind of start over uh, where I wasn't around people that I grew up around. Um, and I don't know. I feel like maybe there's a lot of people that end up leaving Baltimore for that reason, but this is where I ended up and yeah. just fresh set of faces, you know? And, um, uh, I, I love it here. I, I, I don't think I'll ever leave. Um, it's just was the place of a, like a rebirth, you know? So yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know much about Asbury park other than a wrestler named Bam Bam Bigelow was built from I, there. Mm -hmm. That's about, that's all I know, you know, just flaming hair, black and fire leotard. That's about it. Moon salts. Yes. Uh, well, flaming bald head rather. Um, it's so, funny. You, most people mention Bruce Springsteen, but yeah, Bam Bam Bigelow was the true hero of Asbury Park. <laughs> See, that, that's, that shows you where I'm at, you know? <laughs> You're a child um, of the 90s, I can tell. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what are your thoughts about like operating a, a business in Baltimore? What have you, obviously right now there's over the last kind of few months, especially in Baltimore, it's been this back and forth as to can places specifically restaurants, but can places be open into what capacity can they be open? Has that like changed the way you view being a business owner here? Or what are your thoughts and impressions on being a business owner, normally speaking, and maybe with how things have gone over the last year? I mean, I feel, I think, um, I feel very fortunate, uh, that we are not, um, restaurant owners. I, I feel so, um, so strongly for the, for the, for, for all the restaurant owners in this, you know, um, in the city, um, it's gotta be, it's gotta be tough. There's, there's no help. Um, but I think that, um, you know, our current, um, administration actually, I don't, I don't know if this is a political podcast or, or anything, but, um, I mean, if they absolutely did the right thing as far as like shutting down, um, yeah. And it, I understand people getting upset. Um, but, um, I think that's the wrong person to get upset at. Um, that's, um, that's see now I'm going to get myself in trouble because I can't help getting political. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, cause I'll, I'll chime in, um, on, on that. I, I think it, it, it was one of those things where if you're going to do it, don't put it on a new guy is, is the way that I kind of looked at it. And I've seen different places. They get on uh, different restaurants, different owners, they'll get on. And I'm friends with a lot of people in that industry. Yeah. And, you know, I feel for them and all of that and I support in whichever way I can. Uh, my scale says I'm supporting. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> but uh, I'll say that, you know, I've seen some places that they want to pile on because it's the, the thing to do. Right. And there's a few restaurants that have a few owners that have multiple locations. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I have to send all of my patrons to my location in Baltimore County. And I was like, huh, isn't that crappy that you have multiple businesses <laughs> and you have to send them to a different part of the state, seeing different restaurant owners get on and, you know, have their, their two cents, but then own multiple restaurants own, restaurants that are in the county and in the city and just wanting you to kind of empathize with them. It's like you, you own three restaurants, like you have an option, but for the places that are kind of like right there on that border, I really feel for them. It's like you were almost, you know, not even in the capacity that it's a public health situation, but you know, from the standpoint of you want to make money, cause we're all programmed for that, you know, for the, for the most part in this country, I think that you, you feel for them in that regard. And it's like, if there was some type of bailout, some type of support, we wouldn't be in this situation to the way it is. That's, that's just my two cents on it. Yeah. Again, I feel very fortunate that like, I mean, our, we, our storefront, we closed, um, we've been closed through most of this pandemic, uh, to yep. the public. Um, we just felt that was the right thing to do for the safety of our staff. Um, and, um, I feel very fortunate that we have, other sources of revenue that are sustaining us um, and that we don't need to keep a physical lo location open other than for pickups of online orders, you know, mm -hmm. but um, um, that being said, uh, the fact that we do feel very fortunate to have that, those other sources, I am proud of Baltimore for doing what it's, what it's doing right now, which is like um, take kind of taking the lead on what needs to be done as far as, 
you know, addressing this thing that like is the biggest thing that we will ever, ever go through, hopefully, right? Like the biggest crisis that any of us will ever go through. And, um, it's gotta be, we gotta do, we gotta be brave about it, you know? Absolutely. And I think, you know, if they can come up with something, because this is, um, we're, we're told this is a fruitful country, Bailey's places out, because I think it's a big part of what makes the culture here, makes up with the fabric of what things are from multiple businesses and friends that I have, they, their places have shut down like permanently and you feel for them. And, you know, but at the same time, priority is, are people safe? And that's, that's what you really, what you're looking for. And the other thing is, can you pivot? You know, yeah. there are places that are doing really cool stuff. It's like sometimes getting past what ego may be there. And it's like, oh, well, this is the type of business I have. Well, we don't run into pandemics regularly. So can you pivot? Can you adjust to meet your customers in a different way and still be able to keep the lights on? Mm-hmm. And I think that's been the, um, the, the, the quandary people have been in for the last better part of a year. Um, so uh, this is the last question that I have, mm-hmm. and then I'll give you a chance to shamelessly plug anything online stuff, social media, all of that good stuff. Um, this is this is the one I had to update when we first started talking. Okay. So what is the better autobiography name? <laughs> Pat Ellis before the suds, <laughs> royalty and soap, the Pat Ellis story, or the Ellis soap around? What is the best? <laughs> autobiography title of those three. Well, first of all, nobody's going to want to read any of those books. <laughs> <laughs> if it's, if, if it's about me, but, um, I like, what was the last one? The illest soap around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think we might have to rename our, our business that actually, I mean, name a soap after that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Nowadays you don't want to be known as the illest, but <laughs> No, absolutely not. It's just like, ah, what's the color of that again? <laughs> well, this has been really cool. And, and thank you. This has been really chill. It's been good to learn more about your biz. Um, so shamelessly plug what you got. Where's your, um, where can he find you on social? Where can he order some, some soap to wash their grubby fingers and maybe get some beard stuff too. Where can he hit you guys up? Yeah. Um, we're doing uh, well, our website is mountrollsoaps.com and um, we're doing uh, delivery, in-person delivery, um, in Baltimore, you can also ship, uh, anywhere in the country or in Baltimore, you, um, or in-store pickup, you can come down and pick it up. Um, no contact, um, on social, uh, at Mount Royals, at MT Royal Soaps. Um, and then, uh, we have a TikTok now. We're trying really? to be cool. Yeah. TikTok. That's, I don't even know what that is. So the kids, Royal soaps. It's, yeah. We're trying to be, we're trying to be hip. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been there for um, a few of those. Um, soap pickups. Like I said, my girlfriend goes there. I was like, is this, what are we, what are we doing here? What, what's happening? You wait in a car. I was like, what are we doing here? And <laughs> she just like, uh, I got the soap. Let's leave. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> so it's, um, it's clandestine, um, soap pickups. It's, it's, uh, it's good though. So um, I want to thank you again for coming on and I'll do my sign off and that'll be that. So um, for, for Pat Ellis, I'm Rob Lee saying, wash your hands. It's all types of cool stuff in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it.